Welcome to Study Buddy, meditation philosophy for the heart of your practice. This is a live online discussion of ancient yogic texts amongst meditation practitioners in the Shambhavananda yoga tradition. My name is Acharya Satyam, resident teacher at Konalani Yoga Ashram in Hawaii, and I welcome you with love and respect. So yeah, today we talk about finding Shiva amidst differentiation. And what we find is that um, it's, it's our ability to surrender difference, the difference that we see, the difference that we feel around us, that allows the unifying experience of Shiva to rise up. And as we learned from our last sutra, this experience that we're seeking that in this sutra we see as called finding the finding water um, is not is nothing that anyone can point you towards that's what you learned from the last sutra nobody can tell you where it is where is shiva nobody can explain it to you no one can show it to you it's actually a the practice itself is what reveals this so we've got a really nice blend of our of our last sutra 3.16 and our current sutra 3.17 they really communicate a lot together and sort of synthesize and create this bigger experience. So uh, before we jump into that though, let's get a, let's do a little bit of movement, get uh, grounded into our seat and into our breath with a bio. Hello again, and hello Shoshone. Looks like you've got a oh. full temple. Oh my God. So I, I feel wow. like I'm there. I haven't quite fully arrived back at Konalani, so I'm glad I get pieces are pieces of me are at the Shoshone Temple and had Eldo still. Um, so we'll do just a little bit of centering and movement and um, we'll work with a practice that Rudy used to teach, a form of tension release. Um, and this has really been helping me lately. I used it so much during the intensive and during my time in Colorado. Um, and a little bit of music is going to play just so that you're prepared for um, the sounds that will be coming in momentarily. And first, just become very, very still. And imagine the edges of your physical form hardening like a shell around you as if all of your tensions and all of your thoughts are just crystallizing don't worry we'll break free of them in a moment and now ever so gently start to shift the weight in your hips from left to right and as the body subtly moves outside of this shell of tension, imagine leaving all of that behind. Just finding more space, more expansion. You don't have to take any of those thoughts with you beyond this moment, any of those concerns. And just start to explore in a very slow and effortless way the space 
around that shell that you visualize. A little bit of shifting backward to one side, forward. You can gently circle or even make figure eights with the pathway of your spine. And just imagine with each of these soft and gentle movements that you're leaving behind any tension, any tightness, not just in the physical body, but mentally, emotionally, even energetically. If you've been going in a single direction, either with circles or figure eights, swap directions and try moving extra slow. Imagine like you have a, um, a sparkler and you're tracing a shape in the dark. Imagine you can almost see the trail of your body's movement, not just where you are right now, but the pathway that you're tracing. And then gently and slowly let the movements get smaller and smaller until maybe only you know that you're moving. And in these final moments, try to find that perfect equilibrium as if you're balancing on the head of a pin. And just notice any sense of spaciousness or freedom that you've cultivated from cracking free of tension. And from this place, we will dive into our sutra together. We can practice the Sanskrit together. Swamatra, Swamatra, Nirmanama, Nirmanama, Pariyati, Pariyati. It's, it's a real tongue twister. Swamatra, Nirmanama, Pariyati. Swamatra Nirmanama Pariyati. Try it on your own a couple times. Before we give the actual translation, let's look at a couple of these words. Swamatra, we'll see very soon. It comes up in the first sentence of the sutra. The measure of consciousness which coagulates. Hmm. The measure of consciousness which coagulates. 
nirmanama, producing, to create. And pariyati, the effect of that production, the effect of that creation. Jaideva Singh has a, a literal translation that I found very helpful for this. The yogi can bring about forms in accordance with that measure or aspect of consciousness, which is creative and in which they are established. The yogi can bring about forms, bring about a reality in accordance with that measure or aspect of consciousness, which is creative and in which they are established. At first, when, when I was working with the sutra, it came across very simply as, you know, we create our own reality. And I was like, okay, definitely heard that before. And I know it's true, but I'd really love to dive deeper into that concept, to really relate to it from my practice. I want to actually understand that from the inside out. So right away, uh, in the sutra, we start to unpack this, I think, on a very subtle and, and very helpful level. Um, so we're going to look at this uh, sort of right away, because at first it seems it's a little hard to fathom. <clears throat> so basically, we've got a, a premise here that's being presented where this word swamatra, swamatra has a really unique definition. It means, this is from the text, this is Shemaraja speaking thousand years ago, original commentary on the sutras, the original text. Swamatra means the measure pertaining to his consciousness or their consciousness, the yogi. The aspect of the essence of consciousness that coagulates, that creates. Coagulate means to congeal, right? It means to like, for, for disparate parts to finally come together to create a new thing. And this concept that our consciousness, our consciousness, our work, our practice has this capacity to eventually, according to its measure, according to where it's at, to eventually um change our reality effort over time yields growth right practice eventually changes the very reality you live within our practice does not just simply move parts around on a board we're not just trying to make our life more comfortable it literally changes your reality, and this takes time. And I feel that that is the concept of <laughs> this fun word that hopefully you'll find yourself saying, coagulation, uh, throughout the next week. This, this feeling of coagulating, of congealing, of arriving at a new level, right? Babaji talks about this all the time. You work and work and work, and you arrive at a new level, and then you sort of start over, but you're starting over from this new level, meaning that those things that he says, he's not, those aren't just metaphors. 
those are yogic principles. This is real. You actually do arrive at a new level. Your reality actually does change and become something different. And you work from that reality towards your next reality. I think a lot of times in my, from my experience, those kind of concepts almost go right by as if they're a metaphor or an analogy. But here we see, according to the sutras, this is the science. This is, the, this is it. So we know this concept uh, from terms like this. Let's skip to here. You guys have all heard this, or you all have all heard this. There's nothing that exists that is not Shiva. So that's from Swami Muktananda. That's literally the title of a book, uh, but it's obviously a very uh, clear concept as well that you can grasp. Oh, the, we have there, a question or a comment here. There might be some new people in the oh. Shoshone temple that have not heard this before. Oh, <laughs> thank you. That's all. Okay, cool. So for those of you who have never heard this term before, I, this is a big day. This is great. And, you know, this is like one of these foundational terms. There's nothing that exists that is not Shiva, meaning that like your entire reality is Shiva um, inside and out. Um, and this is, this is a premise of the yogic tradition. This is something that the Shiva sutras have posited as a premise many times throughout the sutras. Um, and let's look at this quote that alludes to this uh, logic that, that's going to explain Kim, that quote. Um, and let's, let's read this together. Um, let's see, somebody's sitting close to their computer. Nirmaya, would you like to read this if you're sitting close enough to read that? Um, just unmute and give it a shot otherwise. Because of the power of creative thought, Vimarsa Shakti, the foundational self makes itself as the object of knowledge. The object has no separate existence of its own. If the self were to depend upon an object, something outside itself for creation, the self's absolute freedom would be violated. Sounds good. Ishvara Pratyabhinyan translation. Is that it? That's it. Thank you. Fantastic work. That was great. Well read. That was good. Just I'm letting everybody, if there's visual readers, of course, take your time with that. For anyone sitting too far away to read it, just chill. I love this. Oh, let me do it for you guys too here. Sorry. I, this is, I love, hmm. Stuff like this. It feels like if I was a cook, this would be like when you pull fresh basil out of the garden and you're like, oh yeah. You can like feel the Shakti in this uh in this teaching. I mean, this is an ancient teaching, and we're getting to interpret it with a sangha through the lens of a real practice. I mean, this is like this is, this is it. This is what philosophy is, is like this moment. And it's great that it's sort of abstract, right? It's like you want it to be raw. So this is a, alluding to this premise I was talking about where there's nothing that existed is not Shiva. Because if something existed that was not Shiva, then that thing is not within 
the realm of Shiva. And that means Shiva is lacking. And that means basically that you've defined the universe, but you left something out. That's what it sort of means. So what this little phrase is sort of alluding to is that Shiva is creating the universe of, of themselves. It's not a he, it's not a she, you know, it's just like a Shiva. So Shiva is creating the universe out of itself, out of themselves. If the objects that were created existed separately from Shiva, then Shiva would depend upon that object for creation. Shiva would like be like, oh, well, I need you, you know, I have to wait for you to come along to be creation. And this happens to us a lot in our daily life. We commonly depend on things outside of ourselves to feel whole. That's very common. Happens in small ways infinitely throughout our day. We depend on an outside object or experience to feel whole, right? And so when that occurs, we feel separateness. We feel a lacking. And it's funny because this thing, whatever it might be that we're trying to bring in to feel whole, we feel like that's going to make us feel whole. According to the sutras, that very moment is what keeps you separate. Now, as Shaivite yogis, as yogis of the world, as yogis of the Shambhavananda tradition, we're not trying to go live in a cave and assume that, oh, if I just don't pull, if I don't have anything that I'm, that I'm pulling in to be happy, then I'll be whole and I'll, I'll achieve the realization. No, it's like, it's the actual work that you do during that moment that defines your practice. Like, can you have that thing? And, and stay focused inside on your wholeness while you enjoy it. And that's the rub. That's the challenge. That's the practice. And on the other hand, if you're pushing something away that you don't want, if you have resistance to something, it's saying the exact same thing where you're saying, this is not Shiva. This is not reality. And if, I, I actually don't want this to be happy. Well, you're just as dependent upon that as if it was something you were pulling in, right? And so when we have resistance to something, we try to breathe, we try to reconnect with unity, with some kind of unifying experience, the present, the heart. In order to rise above that feeling of difference, that feeling of separateness, and that feeling of lacking, and so we're really doing the same practice, whether we're pushing or pulling in our life, we're trying to remain centered and remain in our heart while we go through these, these ups and downs, these challenges. Because if we don't do that, then basically we're saying, maybe everything is not Shiva. Maybe there's something out there that's not Shiva, right? I really need this thing to be happy, well, you know, or please, no, not this thing, or I won't be happy. Well, it's like in both of those cases, 
we got to ask ourselves what we're saying in the big bigger picture. Now, here's the thing. We're going to sort of dive. We're getting toward actually towards the end of the sutra already. It's okay to disagree with this. And in fact, I think it's honest to disagree or it's honest to not understand it. In, in my experience, Lakshmanju went out of his way a few sutras ago in the footnotes to say, it's not enough to say, I'm Shiva. He says, that's sort of artificial. He says, um, you have to actually be it. You have to actually feel it. You have to actually grow. Like that's what we're seeking. And so there's an analogy that's given in the sutra that's um, really clear and specific and helpful. Um, so, and I apologize if it's, I hope it's not my internet connection. I just see a lot of coming and going. It was all Shoshone people. Okay, so maybe the Shoshone internet. Okay, cool. I just hope it wasn't me. All right, so let's take a look at this next sutra. And Usha, would you mind reading this portion of the sutra for us? Oh, dear one, one who knows from the mouth of his spiritual director that water and ice are essentially the same is liberated. He has no further obligation to discharge. He will have no further birth. The Ag Agamas. Yep, thank you. All right, so some key parts to this sutra. Welcome back, Shoshone. One who knows from the mouth of their spiritual director. Spiritual director is a fun term that's referring to the, the guru or the teacher. Um, that's just how Jayadeva Singh translates it. So one who knows from the mouth of their teacher, meaning through a teaching, through a teaching, through a, through a living teaching. So one who knows through a living teaching that water and ice are essentially the same is liberated. They will have no further birth. They've made it. So it's obviously a metaphor, right? Because a lot of people know water and ice are the same. So what are we really getting at? It's finding this unity, this real thing inside amidst differentiation, amidst difference. Finding water, or sorry, yeah, finding that, finding the water between ice and liquid and steam, finding that unifying principle, that's like finding Shiva. And that takes practice, as we learned from the last sutra. The last sutra was really clear about this. It told us uh, that you can't show someone this. You can't answer this question for them. No one can really get you there on without you doing the work, that only you can actually have this realization. So when we say that, the person who knows that ice and steam are both water, 
It's not about like a deductive process or a scientific process. It's like an internal experience of something that's bigger than difference and separation. And so this is from the last sutra. Uh, Bob, would you want to read this one for us? This state, which is the real nature of Shiva, is not revealed. This state is the revealer. The revealed is not the point to be sought. It is the, the revealer that is to be striven for. Lakshmanju. Thank Shiva you. Sutra. It's bittersweet in a way because the fact that no one can do it for you means that you can definitely do it. This state of being, as Rudy would call it, that's, the, that's Shiva. It's a state of being, not, not a thing or a philosophy or an asana or anything as the last sutra told us we're not trying to get to a, a certain place we're actually trying to get to a certain state that's what we're striving for so for example like when you're doing mantra babaji often tells us that swami muktananda would teach that even a parrot can do mantra right it's not the actual repetition that is the growth it's the how you're using that mantra to reveal your true nature. Like we're trying to get to the point where we're, we're really using the mantra. Like Swami Rujananda said, learning how to practice is the enlightenment, how to actually do this practice. And so we find that it's this, it's this releasing of difference that really helps us arrive at, a, at an experience of unity. And that this, this surrendering, this, this constant releasing of difference, you know, that's the water we're seeking. That's the, the unifying principle. So I wanted to finish here with uh, a pretty long quote by Swami Rujananda that it really speaks to this, I think really brings it all together into a really practical message. Um, and so we'll have a few different people read this. Um, Jaya, would you mind reading the first slide? We are locked in, oops, disappeared. We are locked in so many of these things because of our need to be in the mind, to refute, to fight, and endlessly find the differences. Whereas, whereas when we're strong enough to know it's all done, then we have the capacity to be above it. 
all those so-called differences lead to the same oneness. Dialin, did you read the second part? <clears throat> and you have to do this in your own life. You have to do this with the people you work with and the people you live with and the people you bond with. You either eventually love with them and you all go up together or you endlessly try to find differences. The differences never made a man free. It was the lack of difference that always freed people. Tara, could you finish it for us? It is to find the lack of difference for which you are living because this holds within it the content, this flow of higher consciousness and energy. Difference makes walls. Lack of difference breaks down walls. You must really open to that and feel the lack of difference. And then we drink it in and the nourishment comes into all of us. Swami Rujananda. So it's too big of a quote to scan through. The differences never made a man free. It was the lack of difference that always freed people. It is to find the lack of difference for which you're living. Difference makes walls. Lack of difference breaks down walls. You must open to that and feel the lack of difference. So let's take a couple minutes. Oh. Um, can you just put the first slide sure. on just about how the mind plays a role in that? Uh, yes. Great. I just found it interesting that the being in the mind is what um, is what is seeing difference. And so anytime that we're separating ourselves or seeing difference in others, like we're in this contracted state. Um, yeah. And because that's what the mind does. Mm -hmm. And so if we can expand into a state where we're not experiencing different then we know like we're starting to get beyond our mind the mind is literally defined as as like a measuring tool in yoga. It's almost like a it's like a ruler, like a measuring tool. And so the very nature of it is to sort of separate things, to differentiate in order to help us navigate our world. You know, there's no way around it. There's just no, it's the essence of like living in a world, right? But as we know, if like, if you, be, if you become drawn into that, it can pull you down if you can use the mind skillfully while while retaining an experience of or while letting go of all the differences it wants to show you constantly that starts to, that's our practice that's our work you know 
So this idea of being able to like see water between ice and steam is like, I was thinking of like, you could have like a steamy situation or an ice cold situation. Ah, you know, like these two different situations. If you can find Shiva in both, like you're on the way. I know it's one of those things we might say a lot, but this is a nice practical approach. So we could do, we, let's, let's sit with this for a couple minutes just to spark the experience and then we'll discuss it. About the halfway point anyway, so it's a good time to let yourself move around a little. So begin turning towards your seat, of course, finding that lightness amidst the body, right? Finding the lack of difference in your seat means feeling that, that balancing point that Babaji talks about. And when you can find that balancing point, then you've sort of found a lack of difference in the physical. You're not thinking about this itch or that pain or, you know, this or that way you could be sitting. You're in the world yet above it. And this takes practice. It actually is something you, you actively have to do, right? Do you feel balanced in your seat? If you don't, how can you move towards balance? Is itching moving you towards balance? Or is it the very thing that's pulling you out of balance? So here, the water is the literal experience of a balanced asana, a balanced seat, Shiva. And as that kosha is peeled away, we reveal the breath. And at first, the breath is full of difference. Just looking at the breath, we start to push it and pull it. It's unavoidable. Pushing and pulling, attaching, accepting and rejecting. And so how do we work with that? How do we begin to surrender that difference? We'll start to look at the breath instead of as an inhale and exhale as these two separate parts, look at it, look at it as a flow. 
does it ever really stop? Or is it just turning around? For many, it can be helpful to let your attention rest on the exhale first. As Patanjali said in the Yoga Sutras, the exhale clears the pipe so that the inhale must flow. And so let your attention rest on the exhale and then try to let the inhale come to you. And finally, we can bring the mantra, Om Namah Shivaya, silently to our breath. At first, mantra is full of difference. It's just a bunch of letters. It's words. That's just the tip of the mantra, though. As we hold our focus near the heart, we try to experience the aspect of the mantra that is happening inside of us, the energy of it, the part that is us, the mantra that you are repeating, that you are uniting with. Swami Mukhananda taught that we should repeat the mantra as if it were our own name. To see no difference between the mantra and who we call ourselves.
And from here, allow the eyes to open just halfway. And see if you can feel uh, a connection to this concept, this water that unifies the Shiva principle. Nothing exists that is not Shiva. What does that mean to you? What does that feel like to you in this moment? Take a couple minutes, just literally two minutes. And you can write a little bit about your experience of dissolving difference. Or the idea of nothing exists that is not Shiva what that means to you or other parts of the sutra. So take two minutes. Trying to articulate your words from heart to pen. Imagine a thread from the heart going out across the arm to the tip of your pen. Writing almost feels like drawing. And if you don't have a pen and paper, you can draw, you can write in the air. Write a key word or one sentence. Just another minute experimenting with this tool of our practice, the next level of bringing the energetic to the world. And as you're wrapping up, putting a keyword in the chat box would be fun. So if you want to drop a keyword in there, go for it. Did you all have a keyword? Yep. All right, we have two keywords. They are love and heart. <laughs> ah, confused. Seed. Tapas map. So the topic map or Probably topic, Matt, but maybe tapas. My mind loves to show me difference. Non-judgment. 
continuous vibration. Equanimity. All is God. Artist, artist, <laughs> artist, surrender. Experience, silence. So go ahead and unmute if you'd like to elaborate on your keyword. Realize. Don't be shy. All right, so I'll we, say, oh. yeah, we have someone here. Just, just to get the ball rolling. Um, my word was heart. And that was because I was really trying to put this into practice, really trying to feel this like sameness. And I, I noticed like my eyes were seeing the difference right? My mind was telling me how everything is separate and categorizing. And I kept trying to like, let go of that difference. And my experience was through connecting to my heart. I was able to at least like, almost feel like I had a compass direction of, of feeling and experiencing um, where I am one with these things. Mm. Uh, so it felt like the exercise was almost just like redirecting my attention where it's like naturally mm. separating and dividing. And then it's like, okay, turn the other way, you know, and let that go and start going towards my source. Um, so. Nice. So like Nanda Devi said, my mind loves to show me differences it felt like it sounds like it fe it felt like your mind was full of difference and then there was like one thing you could do that would cut through it and if you didn't do it difference sounds like somebody's ready to share is usho did you want to share is that why you're unmuted go for it oh oh i didn't realize that i was unmuted all this time <laughs> <laughs> oh right 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 i guess oh, anyway i do have something to share <laughs> okay go ahead not my dog but something um so what last um anyway i come up with my continuous word is the in a, a continuous awareness is um i guess what i'm going to with that and a couple of times ago, we were talking about how to practice mantra, and that has really stuck with me. And and that I realized that the 
key is the continuous awareness of the mantra, awareness capitalized. You know, that you're and and that is also heart related. You know, if you have your awareness in your heart or inside. So um, and that's and then also just to it's more energetic. Um, or I don't know how to anyway, continuous awareness. Yeah. Uh, inner continuous inner awareness, uninterrupted continuous awareness. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up from the previous sutra because I I was also really inspired by that in the previous sutra. Um, specifically that that the the key we were told to unlocking the atomic power of mantra, right? The subtle power, the subtlest power was not through saying it louder or faster or any possible combination of some external way but the 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 single most powerful way of unlocking a mantra was being was saying it continuously yeah that was and then we saw that the kempo brothers also uh described doing mantra as like the buzzing of bees where it's just a continuous recitation that has no beginning or end so yeah that's that's a uh it's like that in itself is how you find Shiva. Like if you can do that with any mantra, you're going to find Shiva. There's that story of the, the, the individual who was, who wanted to be a real bad boy. And they were like, Oh, I don't want to do mantra to, to Ram. So like their teacher, I'm getting some of the details wrong, gave them this other mantra that was Mara. Remember this story? And Mara means like bad evil in Sanskrit. So they, were, they thought they were saying like, Mara, Mara, Mara. They thought they'd be like, I'm bad. I'm bad. I'm so bad. I'm so bad. And then ends up, if you say it continuously, Mara actually starts to be the mantra Ram. Mara, 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 Ram, 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 Ram. So in a way, they were saying it so continuously, even though they thought they were saying a mantra that meant I'm so bad, the, the continuous nature of the mantra revealed its quality of enlightenment so that this continuousness is actually the key and that individual became enlightened by saying ram mantra without even realizing it might not recommend that practice. yeah yeah abaya does not recommend that one and that is but that you know you got to give the the kids a fun story you know <laughs> there can't be all about like that's you know being a good person all the time so so yeah there you go continuousness great Usha, thank you for sharing that. Because we don't have a ton of time, Sunanda, I'm I'm hoping I can help you with the con, uh, confusion if there was some. If you want to elaborate on that. Hi, thank you. Can you hear me? Yeah, really good. Great. Yeah, I think for me, um, for the last, so my, just to give a pretty specific example, um, my dad passed away last September. And since then, this, I feel like, has been the crux of um, the confusion of my practice, which is that um, his wife, I guess you could say, helped me to access a lot of suffering and a lot of pain and anxiety inside. Um, but I didn't have a choice but to be in relationship with her. Um, and since he's passed, it feels like whenever I practice, um, 
and I'm working with my feelings around that relationship, I can sort of vertically kind of connect to this sense of having this sort of karmic interchange with her. And I can feel some, just some peace around sort of the work that we're doing on a deeper sort of more vertical level. And yet um, on a horizontal level, it just feels more and more like I really need to like not have a relationship with her. And that's where I just get confused when I see things like differences don't make a man free, differences make walls, um, you know, love each other and go up together. It's like, I just get stuck there because it's like, how do I navigate horizontally creating a boundary that feels necessary yeah. while still growing spiritually in that way? Thank you. I'm just sort of absorbing. I think just the very idea that you can, um, if you can feel yourself working within that situation, in my opinion, that's all this sutra is telling us to do. You know, it's, it's not trying to, to say which way to go. Uh, there's, I've heard Baba say through the years, there's definitely certain walls you have to build in your life if you are continually getting like dragged under by a situation. Rudy and Baba Gia both said, for example, not that it's exactly like this in the situation, but if you have a, a drinking problem, you don't go to a bar. You just, you just, it's not, it's a wall you got to put up. So there's no doubt about it. We've been told in many different settings that has to occur. So I guess when we see this thing about breaking down walls, it's like, for me, I really go at, I, I almost expected there to be at least a question. And that's why I put that slide. You don't have to agree or understand right because i don't think we can understand this stuff i think all we can do is our work when we're presented with it and and the we do have a teacher that can sort of see through our resistance and see through our karma that we can ask about really specific things like this and that's a blessing you know it's like babaji says like he's not against medicine because like the disease we might have is also the karma we also have the medicine the karma to have the medicine of, of for that so it's like we don't have to figure this all out by ourselves. we have babaji you know so if there's a specific instance that you've worked with enough to have some clarity that you don't understand it like to have that clarity is is something it's like so i you know that's what i i would rec i would go to that next level with it and and just when you feel clear enough inside that you've really worked with this thing and that it's it doesn't seem to be like your practice doesn't seem to be affecting it it just it comes back so thoroughly you know that's definitely like question for a satsang or an email you know but in 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 my pursuit of this sutra it's over here um i usually try to take small bites like i usually try to apply this to like little things to just make sure that like i can 
because I'm amazed at how much work it takes to, to even do this in small ways throughout our day. Like even just sitting in a quiet room right now, can we actually be fully present in this quiet room and realizing like, whoa, that takes a tremendous amount of work. And then realizing like, oh, start, if somebody's talking to you that like quadruples the situation, you know, oh, if there's a tension there, that quintuples the situation. So I try to realize like, okay, small bites, like stillness within my seat, or sorry, sameness, you know, lack of difference within my seat, a lack of difference within my breath, within my mantra. You know, that's, and then as soon as you hit your environment, you know, really just doing the best you can, but in a way it's, it's almost like we don't have to move mountains ourselves. We can just We can just do our practice within the context of our life and moving a mountain sometimes is the equivalent of almost like brushing the dirt off of the edge. Like that's moving a mountain too. You don't have to move the whole mountain, but like if you can actually move a little bit, like that's moving a mountain too. So I, I put this in your hands, everyone, this sutra. We've got a couple weeks with it. Um, you know where to find each other on Marco Polo. Uh, I'll post the link to the class, but also the, the prompt. But I would assume that the prompt would be something to the effect of, you know, how are you, how do you find a lack of difference? How do you find water? How do you find Shiva amidst differentiation? Start small, but find find it and share uh, and see how it goes. So we've got a couple of weeks. I know we're in the throes of summer. There are so many opportunities and philosophy is something that is um, light as a feather. It fits right in your shirt pocket. It doesn't even have to, you know, it's just one little prompt. So hope to hear from y'all and thank you for staying a little late. Namaste. Jay Shri Ram Sitaram Jay Jay Shri Ram Sitaram Jay Jay Shri Ram Sitaram Jay Jay 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 Ram